1: We head into hour two of our daily three hour tour. It is a delight to bring back one of my favorite public intellectuals, Professor Dr. Mark Bauerlein. He is a professor emeritus at Emory University. He is an editor at First Things. He is the author most recently of a great book that kind of is a callback to some of what we were discussing in the previous hour. The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth. To dangerous adults recently, Governor DeSantis appointed him and several others of our friends to um, one of the um, to the Board of trustees to the new College of Florida and it 's the ca- cause of a of a piece he wrote for the Federalist um, about uh, Ron DeSantis chipping away at the political poison in education we 've spoken about the attacks on DeSantis elementary and secondary with stanley kurtz earlier in the week mark thank you for your piece thank you for your brain and thank you for uh, your generosity of time with us as always uh,
2: always happy to join you seth you 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 cover the the real issues
1: well i we, I, I call them the durables anyway the things that you know are going to have lasting consequences i think that's what we try that's what we aim for that's what you've always done too uh professor. All right. Uh, we we'll, we can maybe get to some of the elementary and secondary um, education issues that Ron DeSantis is being attacked for. Talk to us a little bit about what you're writing about at higher ed and Ron DeSantis, especially when it comes to uh, one of these other new acronyms, DEI. But tell us what you're getting at and driving at and the controversy over the appointees of uh, trustees such as yourself at the new college.
2: Sure, I mean the the issue here is that uh, the politicization of higher education in the United States goes back several decades, and its current form is DEI programs—diversity, equity, and inclusion—and those terms sound nice and happy and fair and just, but in truth, they are political weapons used by the leftists to push identity politics on college campuses, and it's been extraordinarily successful. Uh, We've got DEI offices, deans of diversity all over the place in higher education. And what they have done is introduce non-academic political criteria into the running of the university so that hiring has to be done always with identity in mind that we've got orientation programs for students now that teach them you better toe the line of identity politics or you're going to get in trouble. Uh, we've got every job opening now, every academic job opening requires of candidates, applicants, a diversity statement of some kind, which really amounts to a McCarthyite uh, litmus test. Right. It's a, a loyalty. oath. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Good. Yeah. we that, were on the that, same. That, that, right.
2: That's really what 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 these things amount to. And uh, DeSantis, Governor, the Governor DeSantis is one of the very few politicians willing to stand up to it. And he is a politician who doesn't waste his breath on. On simply pontificating and bloviating, he gets things done. He is about policy accomplishments and he moves very quickly and decisively. This situation is a liberal arts college in the Florida public college system. And the issue here is: will uh, we see that the college isn't doing so well? Enrollments are, are low. In particular, there's only six or 700 students there. And the issue here is: let, Let's see if we've got an ideological problem here, a partisan problem. Do we see a lot of Florida students who might be sort of middle of the road or conservative, who feel uh, we're uh, we're not we're not really welcome here on this campus? Uh, the students proudly boast that this is quote a queer campus, and uh, is this not proper for a public university and actually what, what amounts to now is a red state, uh, to, to be, uh, to have this nature. Now I'm an open, I'm open-minded about it. I don't know about new college. Let's see the numbers. Let's see the curriculum. Uh, let's see the kind of, I mean, I noticed that their job hirings and the faculty do require DEI statements and that's got to stop. But we'll we'll see we'll see what, what what the situation is on the ground. We have a meeting next week, uh, the first board meeting, and uh, we'll learn a lot.
1: There, there's a couple things going on here. Um, first of all, to give uh, some in the audience a, a concept, an idea of how uh, how inimical these 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 statements, these DEI statements, what we call loyalty oaths to uh, neo-Marxism are this is th- these are statements literally requiring of professors to sign off that they will assess their students, um, they will approach their topics um, using intersectional personal identities in developing actions and impacts. They will have two and three and four tiered systems of assessments. And they will base those assessments on, um, shall we say, uh, traits students can't do anything about, i.e. the way they were born.
2: You know, Seth, the whole idea of the ivory tower was that uh, you, would get, uh, you, you would get decisions made on intellectual academic ground solely politics, identity, social ideas, money would not enter into how you assign grades, whom you admit into the the classes. That was the ideal of the ivory tower. Here is one space where we're going to have free inquiry, free speech, open debate in our society. That's that's what the that's what the ideal was and it was actually a great thing, but it was a delicate thing, Seth. And what has happened is the left is that everything is political, so we're just going to politicize everything ourselves. Yeah, That's the, uh, that, that's the rationale. And, and Seth, you mentioned they've won. What they did was they took the moral authority of the civil rights movement and they extended it to one group after another and paid it all the moderate liberals uh, in, in the room who never want to be accused of being racist or, or sexist, they're still talking about the, the sexism, the patriarchy on campus, even though we now have an undergraduate population in America that's 58% female. Women get most of the PhDs in America now. Med school is 50-50. More women go to law school. Then men go to law school, nursing, of course, public health. Uh, those are heavily female. So that, that that really doesn't fly very much.
1: Yeah, I've never understood these self-confessions and self, uh, I, I guess, genuflections by these administration officials that want to declare how racist and how institutionally racist their institutions are. I've never understood why anyone would send their kid to such a place. I've never understood that.
2: Uh, well, it's a game.
1: Yeah, it's a game. It's, it's, That's it's exactly a, what elite, it is. It's, exactly. it's
2: elite, an elite game which says, oh, we are elite. Mm-hmm. We are exclusive. Right. We are about the very best success, success, success. But, oh, no, no, we have a very inclusive campus. We believe very much in equity. No, you don't. I mean, there there was an op-ed by the Yale uh, uh president, I mentioned this in the article yep. a few years ago, they talked about how inclusive Yale is. We're open to all kinds of ideas. The word inclusion or its variant appeared seven times in that article. Right. Well, look, Yale wants to be one of the most exclusive yep. of God's little acres on Earth. That's they right. want to get their selectivity rating down to 4%. Yeah, that's right. So it's just the double dealing, right? They, <laughs> they say one thing, do another. It's it, you know, it, it just it's just so brazen. Yeah. At, at this point.
1: Yeah. And uh, and, and uh, you had uh, mentioned I'm going to take a break here. Let me go to break and come back uh, maybe on this point with you, uh, Professor, if I can. But you had mentioned the you know, the, the liberals who didn't want to be the liberals who are on the boards of trustees who were easily cowed because they didn't want to be seen. God forbid, as racists, uh, and all you have to do to be seen as racist is call someone a racist, and all you have to do to call someone a racist is to have someone who doesn't buy into Ibram Kendi's radicalism. I, I think it's a problem for a lot of Republicans, too, quite honestly. I mean, I think Ron DeSantis might be the only governor who is taking this charge of appointing trustees with this concept in mind seriously. My favorite headline from the San Francisco Chronicle ever was the 1967 headline in January, right after Reagan became governor? Reagan victory, Kerr out. <laughs> governor Reagan made one of his first duties as governor his objective of getting Clark Kerr out of the head of the Regents, uh, out of the head of the Board of Regents for the UC system, and won. Since then, as far as I know, no governor since DeSantis has picked up on how to do it. Mark Barline, I'll be right back. Professor Mark Bauerlein is our guest. He is the author most recently, author of several books. Most recently, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, from stupefied youth to dangerous adults. It explains a lot of the kinds of things we talk about here. And we're talking about his piece in The Federalist this week on DeSantis, uh, Governor DeSantis chipping away at, at the political poison in education, in this case higher education, the college and university level. Professor, just you and I were... We're kind of spitballing over the break or speculating over the break with Republicans who we don't always see as, you know, hard and, and, and strong of backbone. Um, some of that was a concern with Kevin McCarthy going in so far, so good. And yesterday was a great performance. Maybe he's looking. We were speculating. Maybe he's looking at the kinds of things DeSantis is getting 20 points for. Maybe he's looking at the kinds of things other governors, maybe some um, maybe maybe Huckabee Sanders is showing some of the way. Maybe 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 Christie Noem at a certain level. But in any event, maybe he's saying that, you know, there's no big price to pay for our being a conservative and doing the conservative thing and standing as hard against the culture as it's pushing against you. Huh? You know, Republicans have
2: been scared establishment Republicans, I should say. They've been scared of the race charge, the sexist charge, for for quite a while. Yeah. And again, it was the moral authority of the civil rights movement, which dem- Democrats claim, even though more Democrats voted against it than Republicans did right. back in 1964, the, the right. Civil Rights Act. But they've been intimidated by it, and then what they haven't understood, and I think this is what Donald Trump understood and what, what Rick DeSantis understands as well is that very early, very quickly, the, the the race, the identity issues turned into a form of passive aggression. It is a way it is a mode of intimidation for political purposes. And what they haven't understood is passive aggression is aggressive. Victimology is a way of pretending that you are the the aggrieved, the hurt one, in order to cause hurt to someone else. Mm-hmm. This is the way it has turned out, and we, we, we don't have to look far to see this passive-aggressive at work by saying, how many conservatives have just been eliminated from college campus? Right. How many shutdowns, shout have we seen? How many times have these poor, pitiful victims marched on the president's office and scared the heck? out of him. And they've loved this moment of intimidation. It is absolutely intoxicating to see people in power like Mitch McConnell shaking over the capacity you have to accuse him of something. Now, uh, they they Tom, had
1: tremendous success early on in the late 60s, didn't they, in, in that oh, intimidation amazing. effort? And I think, you know, a lot Cornell, I mean, what they did to Cornell, what they did to a lot of places, right? I mean, they, they, they have an they, old playbook on this.
2: Uh, Seth, the, the, the dispatch with which liberals who knew better just folded, yeah. just caved, right? forgot liberal principles such as free speech, freedom of religion, a free press. No, they, they, they're not going to stand strong for that. Well, this is what we've seen, yeah. that they're very flexible people. They're institutional animals, these college presidents and other officials. And Trump understood the game. And he said, go ahead and call me a racist. They called him a racist for four years, and actually his black and Hispanic vote went up. Yeah. Uh, the Hispanics knows, sorry, this, 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 this isn't going to fly. Let them Say it it doesn't mat- it doesn't matter what the main what ABC News or what what NPR says about you they do not have the power that they that they used to have Kevin McCarthy I think is now in a position of uh, firm resolve and he can't go back
1: mm-hmm. on it right. He, right
2: he has talked too tough for the last week and I think you're right look, Politicians are very good at measuring which way the wind is blowing. They constantly have their pollsters and their focus groups letting them know what stance yep. is the one that that's right. And I think that Kevin McCarthy sees that, you know, we used to see tremendous intensity on the left among identity voters. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you didn't see it so much on the right. And there, there, there were a few single issue groups the nra for for instance but i think now you are seeing a depth of passion among a lot of people who are very angry about what they see has has gone on in the last few years and they want to see republicans not make the democrats and the left stop what they're doing you've got to exact some punishment. You've got to reclaim ground, not just stop the forward march of, quote unquote, progress, because if you don't punish people for doing illiberal, punitive things, they're going to do it again. Yeah, that's how they'll try again next year. That's the way that's the way. And, And let's see, the left is not good at debate. They are not good at the battle of ideas, but they are brilliant. At personnel. Yeah. They know how to get well, people into the right position. And if you get people into the position, that, you don't have to debate. You don't have to win a war of ideas. Right. You just do what you want to do. So, you know, uh, of course, Joe Biden is cognitively impaired. Of course, the man can't stand up to a debate. That doesn't make him a problem <laughs> for the left. They love him for that. He is infinitely pliable. So, Hey it uh, 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 Joe Biden, good deal uh, our, our senator from Pennsylvania who has some difficult times. That's not a problem for the left as long as he votes exactly the way they want him to vote. No. this is this is, the, this is the strategy.
1: Yeah, the as policy notion is ever more true. There's the, the old story about people complaining to Lincoln about Grant's uh, whiskey. And he said, uh, find out what brand it is so I can get more people to it. They're saying that yeah, maybe yeah. about DeSantis go. now, you know, standing up to Disney, standing up to the AP curriculum. I mean, that's that's heavy stuff. And he hasn't bended or bent. And no. that's what we call a teachable moment, isn't it, in our profession?
2: Uh, well, it all depends, Seth, Right? On, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for right. Where, where are his numbers going to be next
1: month? Right. Yeah, yeah.
2: Politicians constantly look at the numbers. And the thing is that the numbers look pretty darn good. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, he
2: is super popular. And I was I was in Florida uh, two years ago, I guess. And our, my my taxi driver, I, I, I my brother and I had a house down there and in the, on the panhandle for a long time. And the the thing is, the this this taxi driver was telling us, you know, Santa just appeared yesterday at a rally over there in Fort Walton. And I mean the crowd. It was like a Trump crowd. Yeah. The enthusiasm, the energy, the joy, the smiles, the happiness. This man is doing things.
1: People will show up to see a prize fighter fight. Mark Bauerline, you are one of those as well. Thank you for your time and everything you are and do. His most recent book, folks, you want it? It's The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth. To dangerous adults, an update to his previous work on the topic, uh, The Dumbest Generation. I am Seth Liebson, and we'll be right back. A lot of you have been hearing me talk about why refi for a while now. If you still have some questions, feel free to contact them at 888. 888- 888-YREFI-34, they can put you in touch with a lot of satisfied customers who are happily investing and seeing great returns with them. How's your IRA doing? Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Joe Biden economy? You can invest with YREFI through an IRA or other qualified funds, and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn with Y-Refi. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's investyrefi.com. And Coulter, as usual, nails it. The media can bleat all they want about George Santos. But in a space of three days last fall, President Joe Biden claimed to be Puerto Rican, practiced Judaism and to have lost his house in a natural disaster celebrating the Jewish New Year at the White House on September 30th. He told Jewish leaders, quote, I probably went to shul more than many of you did. You all think I'm kidding. No, I'd go to services on Saturday and Sunday. You all think I'm kidding. I'm not. Close quote. Visit visiting Hurricane ravaged Puerto Rico the following week. He said, quote, I was sort of raised in the Puerto Rican community at home. Close quote. Days later, speaking to Floridians who'd lost everything to Hurricane Hurricane, Ian, Biden talked about a catastrophic fire that nearly destroyed his house. Quote, we didn't lose our whole home, but an awful lot of it. Had a house burned down with my wife in it. Close quote. Fact checkers determined he was referring to a small kitchen fire under control in 20 minutes, according to news reports. In a video speech to the Tree of Life congregation in Pittsburgh three years after the October 28 massacre there, Biden said, quote, I remember spending time at the Tree of Life synagogue. That would be a synagogue he had never visited. Just before the 2020 South Carolina primary, Biden claimed, as he has many, many times before, quote, I had the great honor of being arrested on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see Nelson Mandela, quote. So significant was this incident, Biden said that when Mandela came to Washington, he, quote, threw his arms around me and said, I want to say thank you. You got arrested trying to see me, close quote. Biden was never arrested in South Africa for trying to see Mandela. There's no evidence the hug ever happened either. Sadly, as soon as Biden clinched the presidential nomination in 2020, Democrats locked him in the basement until election day. Who knows how many Biden's lies we lost to history that year. But he couldn't avoid speaking the year before. Campaigning in New Hampshire, he told a gripping story about flying to Afghanistan as vice president to pin a silver star on a Navy captain who'd rappelled down a ravine to retrieve the fallen compatriot but who didn't want a medal because the guy had died. This is the God's truth, Biden said. My word as a Biden. Biden did manage to fight the irresistible urge to claim he was that soldier. However, it was President Barack Obama who'd honored an army specialist for retrieving a soldier from a ravine. And he presented him with a medal of honor, not a silver star, in a White House ceremony, not in Afghanistan. As The Washington Post put it, quote, in the space of three minutes, Biden got the time period, the location, the heroic act, the type of medal, the military branch and the rake rank of the recipient wrong, as well as his whole role in the whole ceremony. Close quote. In a primary debate, he said, quote, I come out of a black community, more poor, more people supporting me in the community than anyone else. Close quote. Took Kamala Harris and Cory Booker on stage to both say that's not true. In a nationally televised climate town hall on CNN, Biden said, quote, I just want to be very clear to everyone here. I'm committed to not raising money from fossil fuel executives, and I am not doing that. Close quote. The next day, Biden attended a high dollar six figure fundraiser held by the co-founder of a natural gas company at CNN in 2007. Biden said, let's start telling the truth when he revealed he'd been shot at in Iraq's green zone. Turns out. A mortar round landed a few hundred yards, that is to say, a few football fields from a building Biden was in. So before getting to George Santos's apparently unprecedented and unforgivable mendacity, feel free to review a few more of Biden's greatest hits, like agreeing to participate in sit-ins to desegregate restaurants and movie houses in the 60s, or fighting the dogs of Bull Connor, as he said. None of which ever happened. Being an award-winning student, full academic scholarship, no, none of it, none of it true at all. So work on Santos all you want, who has no power, and ignore the much bigger lies Biden told to get elected, and still tells, once elected. That's how we work now. We, one, run for the fire hoses, When there's a flood. I had teased earlier that uh, I was uh, privileged to watch a uh, eight or so minute interview of Dennis Prager. Um, It's by someone I don't know, but I've come to learn a little bit about named Patrick Bet David. And I said in this it's an Iranian um, uh, podcaster and journalist. Uh, and I said, in this nine minutes, Dennis Prager could give a whole class on moral philosophy. It's just so good. I couldn't not share it with you. The power and force of reason and thought and a moral compass that is oriented, not disoriented.
3: Dennis, uh, as a Jew yourself, when you saw what was going on with Kanye and the things he was saying and, and boom, Adidas and his marriage and you know everything you listen to, his comments about Hitler on Alex Jones… And now he's been kind of low-key for the last six weeks, which I think is a great idea, the fact. Whoever he listened to, good for him, for, to kind of taking a break. And uh, apparently low-key, he got married to somebody that uh, no one knows about. It was done in a very low-key way. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. It's just what the media is saying. How did you, how did you process what he was saying uh, about Jews? Were you upset? Were you frustrated? Were you saying, well, partially he's right about this? Well, he's not right about this. I can't believe he said that. What
4: feelings did you get when he was saying what he was saying? Well, I don't I don't work on feelings uh, as much. I, I try to think through rationally. Look, I wrote a book on anti Semitism. I, I have fought it all of my life. The book is called Why the Jews. And there there's every every population has a percentage of people who hate Jews. Uh they there are a whole host of reasons why people might hate Jews. Uh, and as I point out in my book and in the piece I wrote on Kanye West, one of my columns, non-Jews need to know something. Anti-Semitism destroys societies. I'm not saying it because I'm a Jew. I'm saying it because it's true. No society has survived anti-Semitism. Spain was one of the greatest world powers. Then it had the Spanish Inquisition and the Spanish expulsion of the Jews in 1492, and have you heard from Spain in the last five hundred years? It, it went downhill, uh, with the speed with the speed of a skier, after it kicked out its Jews. Germany was was the most vibrant uh, culture in Europe uh, before Hitler, most vibrant in in, in the arts, in, in in philosophy, in science, and then they had the Holocaust. What do you hear from Germany? Volkswagen, I mean, what, what, what the economy is. Can, can people even name a living German? <laughs> uh, it's and not to mention what, what was done to Germany as a result of Hitler being uh, in power. The Germans, the losses in Germany, the, the rape of, Ger- of German women by Soviet soldiers. It, it, it is you're an idiot if you're a non-Jew and you don't fight anti-Semitism. I don't even care if people like Jews. I care if people hate Jews. You don't like Jews, don't like Jews, fine. I I it doesn't it doesn't everybody has a pet group that they may not like. Okay, the Germans didn't like the Poles, the Poles didn't like the Russians, the Russians don't like the Ukrainians. It, 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 everybody dislikes his neighbor. The British didn't like the Irish, the Irish didn't like the British. It doesn't mean a damn thing. And it, jokes I used to hear that were called Polish jokes when I went to England, the exact same jokes, but it was the Irish. <laughs> the exact same joke. That was what was so funny about it. So I don't... It's dislike or don't like and hate. They're a very, very, very bit different thing. If a man can say Hitler was a good man, he, he is a sick poop. He's a sick puppy. I mean, there's just... There, there's something very scary about such a human being. And by the way... It, If you have to be a Jew to be offended by that, if somebody said Stalin was a good person, I would think the person is a sick puppy, too. And it wasn't Jews who Stalin went after, mostly. He killed 6 million, 5 million Ukrainians deliberately, plus 30 million Russians in general. Uh, 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 But... Didn't, how many Americans died fighting Hitler? Isn't that an insult to all the Americans who died in World War II? Oh, Hitler was, oh, oh really? So these Americans died in vain. If Hitler was a good guy, then your grandparents who died or fought, they, uh, they died in vain. They fought in vain. They got blinded in, or, or, or shell-shocked in vain. Uh, but people don't have, a, they, they, they don't have either courage or a moral compass. To, to distinguish between good and bad so you, you don't like jews you don't like jews fine i'm not asking you it's i as i said i'm repeating myself forgive me i but hating jews is very bad thing dennis what's the difference between a jew saying there are still people who hate jews versus a
3: black uh, a person on the left saying there are still people who hate blacks yes there are
4: people who hate blacks that's correct but uh so uh, there are people who hate every group they 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 they're, therefore what the question is how many what percentage of whites in america hate blacks it's tiny the percentage is ti- tiny okay uh, uh the, what was it larry elder who who you know he could reel off these statistics uh, if you woke him up at 3 a.m., uh, he's he's gifted in that way. I'm not gifted in that way to know statistics by heart, but uh, he shows how many whites voted for Obama, uh, and you know that what was it? The percentage of whites who voted for Obama was smaller than the percentage of whites who voted for some white candidate. I don't remember what it was. Uh, th- this this is the least racist multi ethnic country on the face of the earth in the in the history of the world. Here's a statistic no kid at Harvard knows. Okay, at Harvard, I'm picking the, the creme de la creme. And that is that, uh, ask, ask a kid at Harvard, how many, uh, how many slaves, how many black slaves were brought to the United States in the transatlantic slave trade? And then ask them, how many blacks came to the United States voluntarily in the last 50 years? The first one is 360,000. The second number is 3 million. <laughs> Are they stupid, by the way? If America is systemically racist, every black who moves here is an idiot. You can't have it both ways. And as I always say, any Jews moved to Germany in the 1930s? Not one. Right? Because that was systemically racist. Blacks moved to the United States because it's the best country on earth for a black to live, period. And they know it. Only the left denies it. What was the number again? 360 and 3 million? 360,000. Versus 3 million, that's correct. And, uh, you know, I take a risk with any one of these numbers because if it's wrong, I lose my reputation. But I've been broadcasting 40 years, and truth is my number one goal. Those are the those are the data. And you know where I got the data on the 3 million from? William Sapphire in the New York Times in the 1980s. That's the amazing thing. That's where I got it. L- last thing here, a
3: couple minutes. So, uh, 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 Holocaust... You got uh, slavery, okay? We're not comparing two different tragedies. So that's not what we're going to be doing. We're not sending years
4: of which is worse, which is this. I'm not doing that. I would. Uh, By the way, I, I believe in gradations of evil. Slavery is despicable and evil. But in the final analysis, you could at least live. In the final analysis, the Jews weren't slaves. Jews would have given their right arm to be slaves. They were exterminated. There is a difference, and people need to know that. I do make moral distinctions. If we don't, we lose our humanity. To- that's not the question I
3: was going to. My question wasn't that. My question was going to be, why after such a dramatic event that happened to Jews, okay, with the intentions of wanting to eliminate every single Jew on the face of the planet, right? right. This is what Hitler's vision was, right? Why is it years later, after a crisis like that, what values and principles helped jews pretty much on
4: hollywood do well in business do well in life oh i'll tell you i have the answer go for, for it yeah. they didn't see themselves as victims it is the most paralyzing thing in black life what the left is doing to blacks the left hates you blacks just to, no they don't hate you they have contempt for you telling you you're a victim is paralyzing jews did not walk around thinking they're victims even after the holocaust why not because they knew it is completely self-destructive. How did they know? I don't know. It's a great... Well, maybe because of the Jewish tradition has always been, we take responsibility for our own suffering. So why wouldn't the media try to target the Jews to make them feel victims? How come because they didn't the, succeed with Jews? The media doesn't have contempt for Jews. It has contempt why for not, blacks. Why not, Why not? Because the left has contempt for blacks. Because they use them. They don't use Jews. Why? Why can't they use Jews? If, if they can use any sect, they would do it. So why can't well, they use well, Jews? Well, Jews, Jews are, I mean, Jews are disproportionately on the left. I mean, there's no, no way around it. So, uh, in, in effect, there's no, there's no need to, to keep... They already music. have them, in a yeah, In a sense, yes. I got you.
3: Yeah.
1: Hate destroys societies. It will destroy any society. Hatred against any race or ethnicity will destroy that society. You're seeing it again. You're seeing it again here now with multiple ethnicities. You can make moral gradations. You can make moral distinctions between levels of discrimination, levels of crime, levels of hate. And you can't turn people into victims and expect them to succeed against those who don't view themselves as victims. Tell me you couldn't do a years-long course on that last nine minutes from Dennis Prager. Tell me you couldn't. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. By definition, a recession is falling. Stock markets, a drop in income and consumer spending, a rise in unemployment and increased business failures. Joe Biden won't admit it. He'll just redefine it. But the stock market has fallen. And economists are predicting another rocky year. Income did decline last year because of inflation. Real estate values have dropped. Retailers are declaring bankruptcy and major companies are laying off thousands. Regardless of what Biden says, it looks like we're in a recession and it's likely going to get worse, which is why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard your wealth and investments with the stability of gold. Gold holds its value. When economies fail, guarding against the ravages of inflation and the ruins of a recession. Talk with the good guys at Midas Gold Group. I know them well. They are good guys. Trust the only precious metals dealer, Seb Gorka. I and thousands of you already trust. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. Oh, look at this. I just came across my transom. In our ongoing, steady victimization of everyone, the AP Stylebook just uh, put out new guidelines uh, on using the uh, article, the. We recommend avoiding general and often dehumanizing the labels, such as the poor, the mentally ill, the French, the disabled, the college educated. Instead, use wording such as people with mental illness and use these descriptions only when clearly relevant. Are we just not going to be able to talk anymore? Are we just not gonna be able to talk at all anymore with one and I'll tell you who can talk. Sam Stone. He's coming right up, he's always loaded, he doesn't care about this PC nonsense. Good for him. Don't go away. Be right back with Sam Stone.